got from that. I'm practicing right now. So, <laughs> hey, before we jump into the word this morning, uh, why don't we just pray uh, to our Lord? And we are in the midst of a sermon series called Teach Us to Pray, which is uh, about or taken from the Lord's Prayer. So I figure, man, why don't we just pray the Lord's Prayer? I think it's powerful. I think it's right on, don't you? So why don't you guys go, why don't you put it up there and we'll, we'll go ahead and pray together. Let's begin. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit to come and fill this place. Would you lead us into all truth? And God, I just, I pray every word that comes forth this morning would be birth of your spirit. That it would change each and every one of us. It would empower us to pray according to your desires, your kingdom, your will, your dreams. It would equip us to live lives as sons and daughters. And Father, I pray that your truth would bring freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, we are in the midst of a series called Teach Us to Pray. And uh, as I was kind of reviewing some of the notes on that, I thought it might be really good for us just to take a moment and kind of deal with the purpose behind this sermon series. And I just want to read to you what we have written in our notes. It says, to help Antioch Church manifest the kingdom. So our Father who art, is in, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. So to help the Antioch Church manifest the kingdom by growing in our prayer lives as sons and daughters and working together to build a vibrant prayer culture in Antioch and beyond. We just felt this, this sermon series started on the heels of the 21 day fast where we were fasting and praying. And yes, it's been a long series, but that's because we want to do more than just superficially touch on the concept of prayer. How many of you know that the concept of prayer is one of the most foundational aspects and expressions of the Christian life? We must become a people of prayer. Ian Bounds says this, he says, nothing is accomplished but by prayer. Leonard Ravenhill says that, Revival comes by prayer. It's sustained by prayer and ends from a lack of prayer. So we must become a people of prayer. And so as the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, we're here this morning asking him, God, teach us to pray. Grow us and disciple us in our sonship that we might manifest your kingdom through prayer, amen? So some of the objectives, you know, I believe Jesus teaches us one of the most effective and comprehensive ways of, of prayer in this model that we call today the Lord's Prayer. We understand that praying the Lord's Prayer can activate greater spiritual passion, purpose, and power in both the believer and in the body. That's what prayer does. And I believe that's what the form of the Lord's Prayer can give us access to when we learn how to pray. 
So we're gonna pray that and we're gonna learn, we're gonna dive into that today. A couple of Sundays ago, Jonathan began the portion of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, honing in on the truth that this prayer, give us this day our daily bread is a prayer of dependence. It's saying, God, today I need you. I'm dependent upon, I'm not dependent on my paycheck. I'm not dependent on a particular worship song that touches my soul and my emotions. Jesus, I need you even as we sing that song today. Lord, we need you. Our one defense, our righteousness, Lord, we need you. He's our sustenance and he's our source. Pastor Jade followed up the following Sunday with the second part to give us this day our daily bread by centering in on this understanding of the truth that this prayer is a prayer of trusting submission to God. That when we say, give us this day our daily bread, what we're really saying is, God, you know better than me what I need. And my most desperate need may not be my deepest need. You know what I really need. And I might be praying for all sorts of things that are good, but Lord, we're trusting in what you have for us today. It's trusting submission. It's saying God is omniscient. I know that he knows. He knows our needs before we ask him. So God, give me what you have for me today. It's a powerful prayer. We're actually gonna jump into the next petition and I'm excited. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter six, verses, we're gonna read verse 11 and 12. We're gonna read, give us this day, our daily bread. That's verse 11. It says, give us today our daily bread. Number verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I, I went ahead and said, let's go ahead and read this together because even though the verse numbers split them, the actual text considers this a single phrase. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us or our debts and our debtors. My hope today is is really simply to kind of bring a refoundationing to our understanding of forgiveness. And particularly our forgiveness as we receive it from the Lord. Now, it's a very difficult thing to try to separate our forgiveness from the Lord and our forgiveness for those around us. However, as I was studying, there were some observations that I made that I think will help to equip us to pray and to pray God's perfect will in our lives. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to just kind of set the foundation by diving into the definition of a couple of words. And then from there, just submitting to you some of these observations that I've made in my study. So let's dive into the word forgive. Both accounts of the Lord, there's two accounts of the Lord's prayer in scripture. There's the one found in Matthew chapter six, but there's also another in Luke chapter 11. And in both passages, they use the same Greek word, for forgive. Now there is, there, there is a lot of information on forgiveness. 
If you go, I mean, both secular and those within the church, I mean, there is a lot of books about forgiveness. And, and I'm not gonna stand here and try to tell you that I know what there, all there is to know about it. In fact, I find that I need to understand forgiveness more every day. I don't know about you, but it's like I've, I realize with my children and all the parents said, amen, that I need to learn how to forgive today. So obviously I don't know it all, but there are a few things I think we can hone in on that will help us. The Greek word there is ephiemi. And I'm just gonna read some of these definitions. It means to express the discharge or acquittal of a defendant, especially to remit the punishment where the guilty person is dealt with as if he were innocent. Now I wanna talk about forgiveness as it pertains to our relationship with our heavenly father. So what we read here, when we talk about forgiveness and we talk about God, we are talking about the fact that we are guilty. There is a humanistic movement in our culture that I think we can all agree on, that people wanna believe that they are essentially good. But I'm here to tell you today, man is not essentially good. He is evil in the very foundation of who he is. And so where the guilty person, that's us, is dealt with as if he were innocent. Meaning the punishment that was required by our sin has been remitted, it has been, it has been washed away. I don't have to live under the curse of my sin any longer. I don't have to live in depression or guilt or shame. I don't have to live, why? Because Jesus forgives me. Because God who is preeminently capable of forgiving has forgiven us. And this is a source of joy. One of the things I wanna just touch on really quickly is that we have, you know, now nah, I'm just gonna jump forward in my notes here because this is just too good. Give us this day our daily prayer and forgive us our sins is actually a prayer that is meant for us to pray on a daily basis. So it's not just give me my, this day my daily bread and I'm gonna pray that daily. It's I pray daily, God, forgive me. There's this movement among the church and people, I've heard pastors say this, we don't have to pray for forgiveness every day because you don't sin every day. But I beg to differ. Even if you don't act out in sin every day, I need the forgiveness of Jesus. I need his blood every day. And so every day I pray, forgive me of this sin, dear Jesus. It means to send away. And I love that. Forgiveness in scripture means to send away. As far as the east is from the west, God is sending away your sin. Most, most people, and I, and I know I don't have a lot of statistics or information to back this up, but I just get the sense in the church that people deal with guilt and condemnation on a daily basis. And isn't it beautiful how Jesus just, he knew, he knew. He said, pray this prayer, forgive us our sins. Every day pray it. And I'm gonna send away your guilt. We tend to hold on to our guilt and shame and our sin 
We hold on to it and we look at it. Every time we look in the mirror, that's what we see. But this is what God does for us. He sends it away. He sends it away. Blessed Lord Jesus, how could I not want to pray this prayer? Think about that moment. There, there are different moments in our lives, I'm sure. And, and, we've, and we do this all the time. We have this particular moment in life that we just keep going back to and we feel shame and guilt and we're afraid still. We're just afraid of it. That moment, we, and, and I'm here to tell you that God wants to send that away. The other, dis, the other word here is dismiss. He wants to dismiss it. My father was in the military. He'd look at me and my brother when we were fighting or whatever in the same room and be, you're dismissed. <laughs> and you know what that meant? That meant get out. <laughs> and that is what God is saying to us as our authority. And I believe that dismissing something is a prerogative of, of authority. So when we submit our lives to the authority of God, we give him the authority to dismiss our sin. But when we hold on to our sin, we effectively take back authority over our own lives. And yet, God desires to dismiss your sin. And not your sin only, not your mistake only, but the punishment attached with it. And listen, I just want to make this clear. Dismiss, I want to make this very clear. It means to send away as opposed to being dismissive. Feeling or showing that something is unworthy of consideration. And there's a part of me that wants to say, well, God looks at our sin and he says, it's unworthy of consideration, but I don't, I don't think so. I think it means a lot. That's why he sent his son. There is a deep, deep repentance that must come up and well up within us that says, oh God, geez, there's this song. It's an old song and I'm not gonna say who it was by because it's just funny. But uh, he wrote this song and, he, and it just, it just so touched my heart when I was in junior high. It was, uh, he says, do you still feel the nails every time I fail? Do you hear the crowd cry crucify again? Oh, I know I've got to change because I know I'm causing you pain and I just can't bear the thought of hurting you. And that just touched my heart and it got inside of me. And, and, that's, and that's the thing. I don't think it's that, it's our sin is worthy of consideration. Why? Because his forgiveness becomes greater in the light of our egregious sin. The darkness, darkness of my sin magnifies the light of his glory. So I'm not gonna be afraid to look at my sin and I'm not gonna dismiss it like it's not worthy of consideration. But what I am gonna say is God's blood is greater. And the greater my sin, the greater the power of Jesus in my life. Come on, that is good. Not to pat myself on the back or anything. <laughs> and finally, to forgive means to set free. And I love the saying where you know, you forgive someone, you set them free and only find that you yourself have been set free. But when we talk about God, it's not a need for, God is not forgiving us because he feels like he needs to be set free. <laughs> when we pray, God, forgive us, it's for us to understand that he is setting us free. That forgive, 
So, so this idea that we don't need to pray for forgiveness. Now, how many people in this room would say, oh, I don't need to be free? Well, I hope not many of you. We all need greater measures of freedom, amen? And that's what this prayer is about. God, set me free. Let your justification, which was purchased by the cross, your death and resurrection, let it be magnified and moved into every facet of my life in the work of sanctification. That is the prayer, forgive us our sins. But what is sin? And I love scripture because it kind of gives us three different cuts on sin. You know, the, 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 the Luke 11 actually has a different word for sin than Matthew chapter six. Luke has the word, the Greek word amartia. And it means, it means basically to miss the mark. It means fail, aberration from prescribed law or duty. Hence, sin. So this is the revelation, I think, of specific sinful acts. This was the target I, I, and, I, and I tried for it, or maybe I didn't even try, I just missed it. Sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins where I do the things I know I ought not to do and sins of the things that I know I ought to do that I don't do. But it has a deeper meaning. Because the Greek word hamartia does not mean sinful acts. It just means sin. The definition here, the, 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 the lexicon says the evil principle from which sinful acts spring. That is sin generically. All forms, phases, and movements of sin, whether entertained in thought or consummated in act. It's, this is the revelation and confession of our sin nature. God, there's something bent inside of me and I need you to come and straighten me out. So Luke is saying, listen, we're not just praying for our sinful acts. We're praying with this revelation that God, I am Without, apart from you, I am lost in sin. Apart from you, I am bound in sin. And even when I am with you, I see the effects of the sin nature manifest in sinful acts. So whether we feel like we've committed sin or not is inconsequential to the importance and the value of this prayer, forgive us our sins. The other Greek word that's used in scripture is found in Matthew chapter six. It's, six. it's the Greek word ophilema, and it means a debt. It just means a debt which one owes that which is justly or legally due. You know why I like that? Because the just reward of my life is not blessing. The just reward of my life is not prosperity. And yet most of us live our lives as though it were. So when things don't go our way, it's a crisis of faith. It makes us entitled to God's blessings in our lives. We feel like we're entitled to God's blessings in our lives, but I don't think we're entitled. I think because his forgiveness was a gift, everything thereafter is a wonderful gift. That's why scripture says every good 
gift comes from the Father above. It is a gift. And then I can respond to the gift with great thanksgiving in my heart. I, I, I can overflow with gratitude. Why? Because I understand, God, apart from you, I don't deserve this. It's only because of with you, it's only because with you that, this, that I have access. And I love this because the lexicon says it specifically involves the expiation and the payment of it as debt by punishment and satisfaction, meaning what? Again, we see this emphasis that it's not just the failure that he's forgiving you of. There are consequences that God wants to remit. And so the, and so the unmarried mother with a child will still have a child after she's forgiven. But you know what? That child is a gift. It's a blessing. See, God turns all things for good. So I believe even though the consequence may remain, it's transformed in a moment by the power of his forgiveness into a blessing. We see this all the time. Ministries based on the fact that someone has walked through a terrible time, maybe they were bound in sexual addiction, set free, and now sexual addiction is the very thing that they are, they are ministering to the body of Christ. Why? Because God can transform sin when we allow him to forgive us. And so we should pray every day. I'm gonna harp on this the rest of my time that I have with you. I'm gonna say it again and again daily. We should pray, God, forgive us, transform us, set us free and transform us. There's this beautiful illustration in a book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce. And in it, there is a particular character who has this dragon or this lizard on his, on his shoulder. And, and there's this angelic being trying to convince him, let go, let me kill this sin issue. It represented a sin issue. And this man said, no, no, it'll hurt too much. No, 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 he says he'll be good. He says he's gonna be fine. He's, he, you know, we don't, no, 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 don't, don't do it, don't do it. And finally, after much coaxing, he lets the angel, this angelic being do it. He reaches down and he breaks the back of this little lizard. And this is what happens. It's so beautiful. It just falls off his shoulder and it begins to writhe on the ground. And you think it's gonna die. You think that's what God wants to happen. He wants our sin to die and to be forgotten. But I don't think that's true. Here in the story, this, this, it, it's writhing on the ground and it begins to transform and it turns into this great white stallion upon which the man jumps onto and he rides into the kingdom of God. Now, I don't, that is a beautiful picture of what I believe God wants to do with sin in our lives. He wants to transform it into a tool for his kingdom that magnifies his glory in our lives. The prayer of forgive us our sins is a prayer of I'm not running away from my sin anymore. See, most of us want to think that, that freedom from our sin is the time from one failure to the next failure. I was free from sinning from one, that because I haven't sinned the last two months or the last hour. But that's not, I don't think that's freedom. You know what that's called? That's called running. But you can't run fast enough or hard enough to escape the sin that is in your nature. So we must allow God to come and transform it. 
Colossians chapter two, verses 13 through 15 says, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. That word condemned us is speaking to that penalty. He's canceling the debt. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, those who would exact punishment on us, having disarmed them, he has made a public, public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Stop running from your sin and allow them to be triumphed over by the power of Christ. So those are the first two words, but there's a third word. I, I love the Lord's prayer when we pray it in public settings because when we start praying, what inevitably happens is we get to this portion of the verse and if we don't have a written version in front of us, this is inevitably, this is what happens. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, trespass, debt, ends. As we trespass in debt. Those who are against us, thank you, Jesus. Yes, God, I made it. Woo! And you know, it's, it just cracks me up. I love it so much. I'm like, that's funny. Because we don't know what to say. It's like sins, debts, trespasses. And trespasses is the third word. And I love it because it gives us a distinct perspective on sin that most of us don't think of. And it's, and it's usually, you know, trespasses, if you were to look, none of the, most translations in scripture don't have that. So where do we get it? Well, the common book of prayer uses trespasses. And here's why, because, and I'll, and I'll just read this definition to you. It says, uh, the definition of trespasses is in a moral sense to transgress voluntarily. That I have chosen I've chosen to sin. So forgive my, the sins that I have voluntarily chosen in my life. Any divine law or command to violate any known rule of duty. But I love this. It literally means to pass beyond. Hence, primarily to pass over the boundary line of another's land. Have you, let me just ask this question. Have you, trespassed. Have you passed a boundary you had no business passing over? Have you, as it pertains to your wife or your husband, passed a boundary? Have you talked about someone and crossed a boundary? Have you crossed a boundary into someone's life where you had no business being? This is trespass. It means to go where we should not be. And many of us don't want to think about our prayer request as a trespass. We don't want to think of our dumping, our emotional dump. Oh, but it's, it's, it's okay, it's my wife. I'm going to emotionally dump on her and I'm just going to get it out. Well, go to the Lord. The, the prayer of forgiveness is go to the Lord with that trash. Can I get that? Okay. All right. Before Pastor Jade hears that, I want that. Okay. <laughs> Listen, we, we, I, think, I think the Lord wants to be more a part of our lives than we give him credit for. If we need to dump, talk to the Father. You know why this is good? Because he's also their Father. 
I remember in my youthful zeal, I wanted to get married from the day, I mean, like, I mean, I, when I realized marriage was a thing, I was like, oh, that's for me. Hey, let's do this. You know, my mom's like, you're 12. <laughs> you know, I said, okay, well, well, okay. But it never left me. And after just, and some of you guys know what I'm talking about, just the relational cycles that you go through. I was talking to the Lord after a recent parting of ways between me and this young lady of the Lord. I, <laughs> I am the young adult uh, pastor. That's probably why I, I'm using examples like these, but just bear with me because it's a good example. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was talking to the Lord and you guys, I was saying like, God, forgive me because I knew I had hurt this girl. And I was like, forgive me, forgive me. God, please forgive me. I feel shame. I feel guilt. Now I want you to just imagine whatever, whatever sin issue you want. I mean, it, it doesn't, you know, whatever. But this for me, it was just this finding my identity and value in girls. I was like, God, forgive me. Oh, I hurt this girl. Oh, you know. And boy, you know what the Lord said? He said, son, you only want me to forgive you so you don't feel bad about it anymore. But you've hurt my daughter. And I just thought about like having a daughter and some dude walking in, hurting her and then saying, please, sir, forgive me so I feel better. I would punch him in the throat. I mean, there is not, there is, there is some, they, I mean, whoo, thank you, Jesus. And all the daddies are like, yeah, that's about right. That's about right. You know what I'm talking about, son. And that's exactly what the Lord did for me. He was like, son, let me just, and it just clued me in on this perspective of sin. I just, God wants to be a part of our process of forgiveness. Have you trespassed? Have you gossiped? Have you slandered? Have you spoken unbecomingly of someone? For whatever reason, that is a trespass. Now, those are, are some of the, those are some of the definitions and, and, and hopefully we walk away. It's just a foundation. It's just a beginning place. And my prayer is that you'll walk from this place going, I want to learn more about this because it affects my life more than I had thought. It's not, forgiveness is not just a one-time thing that I now walk away and forget. I'm just gonna forget about it. it is, it's a lifestyle. But now that we've talked a little bit about these words, forgiveness and sins, what I'd like to do is just close the service here with three observations, uh, observations I've made of this verse. Observation number one is the petition, forgive us our sins, is plural. It's forgive us our sins, us our sins, not forgive me my sins. And I think that's very strategic on the Lord's part. And here's the reason why, because when we pray, forgive us our sins, when, it, when the corporate aspect and the plurality of that prayer is, is, is expressed to the Lord, what it does is it gives us a starting place that includes a personal forgiveness of sin. When I pray, forgive us our sins, there is inherently the prayer, forgive me of my sins. See, but the problem is, is when I make it, forgive me my sins and I make that the starting place, I don't have to move beyond it. Forgive me of my sins is as far as I go. 
And I think Jesus is saying there is a solidarity to the people of God where we, where we carry one another's burdens. We mourn with those who mourn. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And so when someone, when someone else sins, it's not us pointing our finger at them, but it's, dear God, I am an unclean man in a, with a, from a people who are unclean. Intercession comes from the place of this understanding. Compassion and empathy comes from this place. Forgive us our sins. We're together in this God. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Let me just speak this to you, Antioch Church. You're not alone. You're not alone in your shame and you're not alone in your guilt. Forgive us our sin. And we cannot judge one another because we're all guilty. Because it's not your sin versus my sin. It's our sin. We see this in the example of our service last week. Great tragedy hits this nation. Sin abounds. And what do we do? We say, we cry out to God and say, God, forgive us. We need you. We must get a hold of this. We have to reject the individualism of Western Christianity and begin to embrace the family of God. We must do it. Otherwise, we will never be a family. We'll be a collection of people who agree on some points about who God might be. Observation number two. Observation number two is very simply the petition, forgive us our sins, is considered as a part of the, of the same expression, right? I mentioned that, that a part, it's the same expression, it's the same prayer as give us this day our daily bread. So what that tells us is that this is a daily prayer for us. It debunks the idea that we don't have to pray for forgiveness every day. Matthew Henry commentary says it this way, this petition is connected with the former. It intimates likewise that we must pray for daily pardon as duly as we pray for daily bread. It's easy for us to pray for our daily bread because how many, our needs are apparent to us. But the enemy wants us to be blind to the nature of sin that is within us. And so here God, Jesus in his wisdom is saying every day as you pray, and, and, and I love this, I just had this thought just now, you know, Jesus is saying, pray your stuff, you need stuff. You need stuff. So pray to God, give us this day our daily bread. Every day, pray for need. You know what you need? You need forgiveness. That's what you need. You need forgiveness, so pray for forgiveness. Forgive us our sins. When looked at within the context of the Sermon on the Mount, this prayer was, was, was uh, taught in a sermon called Sermon on the Mount, which spans uh, at least two chapters in Matthew. And it begins in chapter five with what we call the Beatitudes. And the very first Beatitude is this. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think when we read, forgive us our sins within the context of Sermon on the Mount, we are seeing a reflection of this revelation that we are poor in spirit. And here's why, because 
poor in spirit. There, there are two Greek words in, for poor in Greek. Wow, School of Redundancy University. Okay, it, there are two Greek words for poor. One called prokos, the other called penes. Penes means this, that I am poor, but I am working. I'm capable of working. And I would submit to you that most of our Christian lives, this is the measure of poor that we live in. Yes, God, I've sinned. Yes, God, I've failed. Yes, I'm poor, but Lord, I'm working. And we're trying to work our way into forgiveness. We're trying to, we're trying to work our way into this place where now I'm, free. I'm working my way into freedom. But the word, the Greek word for poor that Jesus uses, prokos, actually indicates a helpless person. Someone who cannot help themselves. They are utterly powerless in the face of their circumstance to change it. And so Jesus is saying those who are poor in spirit, that in our spirit we have this revelation that I can do nothing apart from him. I am sinful. And I think about blind Bartimaeus. He was prokos. He was, he was blind. He was helpless. He could not help himself. He, all he could do was beg for people to help him. Oh man, this poor in spirit is a reference to the type of poor who are wholly unable to help themselves. To be poor in spirit to understand by way of revelation that we are in spiritual reality, destitute in our sin nature. And apart from Christ, powerless to do anything about it. So then we become spiritual Bartimaeuses, crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The daily prayer, forgive us our sins, then becomes this. It's to, be, it's to be understood in the fruit as the fruit of the spirit of poverty. I understand I have this revelation, this the spirit of poverty. God, forgive me my sins. Forgive us. It's the prayer of an abiding spirit in the power and presence of Jesus. Why? Because apart from him, I'm lost. But with him, I'm free. Forgive us, forgive us our sins becomes the passionate prayer of a people rightly crying out, Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour, we need you. Our one defense, our righteousness, God, we need you. And, and that is a powerful prayer. There is a cry that, that causes fathers to run to their children. My kids are crying all the time. And about 80% of that, I let them cry. I say, do your thing. I'm not going to respond to that. But daddy, no, no, no. You just, no, that's not going to move me. I'm telling you, but there is a cry. There is a cry that when I hear that cry, you know they need you. And it is like, there is nothing gonna keep me down. I've broken stuff just in my rush to go and see to my children. And I believe that's the cry that we're talking about. This deep, passionate cry from the revelation that apart from you, God, I am broken. I'm sinful. I'm ugly. I'm prideful. I need you. 
Oh God, I need you. And here is the beauty of this prayer. The magnificent, beautiful joy of praying this prayer is this. That God's response is, you have me. Oh, you have me. Every hour, you have me. I'll be your defense. I'll be your righteousness. Oh, you have me. And that's my third observation. My third observation is very simply this. The very purpose for which Jesus came was to be the sacrifice by which we can receive forgiveness. It's interesting to me, he's saying, he comes knowing I am here to pay the debt of your sin. So I want you to forgive, I want you to pray this prayer, forgive us our sin. What does that tell me but this? That God's greatest desire, God's greatest desire is to forgive us. That it's not something we have to work for. It's something that we receive. When we pray, oh, and I just, I want to be close to the Lord. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I believe that's found in embracing his forgiveness. Forgive us our sins. My prayer for you today is that you would leave this place and you would say, God, forgive me of my sins and in joy and in victory and in freedom, I receive your forgiveness. Because that's why Jesus came. The very one who's teaching us to pray, forgive us our sins, came to pay the debt of our sins. I, I almost hear this. I almost hear Jesus saying this. Do not make my work for nothing. Don't, don't make my putting on of flesh and going to the cross and being crucified and jeered at and rejected and spit on. Don't make it, don't make it as though it were nothing. I'm here, to, I'm here to forgive you. I'm here to provide forgiveness for you. So pray this, pray it every day. Forgive us our sins. Pray it because that's why I'm here. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to have sanctified lives. So every day pray, God forgive us our sins, amen? I'd like to end today, in the last 10 minutes. I'd like us to end with taking communion. I think it's appropriate because the communion is all about the remembrance as a corporate body, even as this prayer is a corporate prayer we are going, the table is a, a place of remembrance about his body being broken. Is it an accident? Do you, do you think it's an accident that Jesus later says, I am the bread of life? And here he says, he goes, I am the bread of life. And he says, he says to him, he says, pray this, give us this day our daily what? bread. Is it any accident that Jesus said, I'm the bread of life? What you really need to pray for every day is for more of me. And then he says, come to the table. This is my body that was broken. He takes the bread and he breaks it. He says, this is my body broken for you. You guys can go ahead and come forward. And then he says, forgive us our sins, which is an expression and a work of his blood. That's what the table is about. And I believe when we pray the Lord's prayer, we are participating in the form of communion. We are.
in a form of communion, we are participating with the work of Christ. I don't know where you're at in your journey. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know, I don't know what difficulty you've walked through, but I can promise you this. It is God's greatest desire for God so loved the world. Man, that is a common verse. Oh, but it is so beautiful. For God so loved the world. He gave his one and only begotten son. God wants to forgive you today. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, there's no sin too powerful. There's no failure too big. God wants to forgive you. It's his greatest desire. So much so that he, he, that he institutes a daily prayer saying, receive this son, receive this daughter, this forgiveness. As we go forth from this place, Lord, we just declare that we are a forgiven people. We're set free. The punishment has been remitted, renounced, sent away. Our debts and our trespasses, God, they're burned away in the fire of your love. I just pray a blessing on these people, on us as your people, to live lives of great joy and freedom because of this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna thank you for being here this morning. And as I said at the beginning of this sermon, my greatest hope is that you would leave this place empowered, inspired, and equipped to pray this prayer, forgive us our sins.